0: This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Anne, which is not her real name, about the arrangement that she entered into to have her baby daughter. Anne and the birth parents conceived the child before having done any counselling or received any legal advice. We thought we might talk about her story so that we can educate other intended parents and surrogates and their partners about how the law views these sorts of arrangements and what the impact is on everyone involved if they're trying to get recognition for the arrangement after the conception. I've provided quite a bit of information in the post about this, both about traditional surrogacy, also about the legal processes, and also about parenting and parentage orders and the differences between them If you are considering a surrogacy arrangement without accessing counselling or legal advice prior to conception, I encourage you to listen to this episode and then read the resources in the post. I'm going to hand over now to Anne. Anne, you are raising a child that you didn't birth yourself. How did you come to be raising this child yourself?
1: Um, Well, Yeah, that's right. I am uh, raising um, my daughter on my own. And um, how this came to be? Well, um, I wasn't able to conceive a child and um, had been strongly discouraged from uh, conceiving by IVF due to my age. I think I was uh, 40 something at the time. And um, so that avenue was was uh, not an option for me. And um, I used to live in um, a block of flats with some friends of mine who lived uh, opposite me and we had a very good relationship. And we'd often talk about, you know, what was troubling my friends, what was troubling me. And at some point when we both got to know each other quite well after two, two and a half years, um, I disclosed that I wasn't able to have a child. My friends who had a daughter, um, whom I had a very good relationship with because we'd played together um, in our courtyard, she saw how loving and caring I was with her own child And um, one day she said to me, look, would you like us to have a child for you? And, of course, I mean, what a proposition that was. You know, that's just mind-blowing to be even offered that as an option. And, of course, I didn't say yes straight away because I just think that this is a really, really serious decision to take what I suggested is that my friend talk to her partner and they be 100% sure about making this, you know, life changing decision. And as it turns out, my, my friend did talk to her partner and, um, they decided that yes. And I'll use, I'll quote, they were willing to take a chance. Uh, for having a baby for me, um, unquote there. So that's how the journey began um, in terms of me having my daughter.
0: Did you have any sort of legal agreement before the baby was conceived?
1: Now that's, um, if, if you ask, you know, I'll just go back a little bit and introduce this a little bit differently, but I will answer that question. If you ask me, is there anything you do differently this time round, this is one of the things I would have done differently. You know, most people would say, gee, that's naive. What, you didn't get um, legal advice beforehand uh, or you didn't get counselling beforehand and this is something we didn't do. I regret not having um, legal advice prior to conception. I didn't know about it, neither did my friends. Um, I think we were so, you know, excited about having a baby that all these, this bureaucratic aspect of the process didn't even cross our minds until a friend of mine uh, suggested that I um, look up a surrogacy lawyer, which was you. <laughs> and um, I'm very grateful to my friend Cam who did that. And um, and that's when it started really um, becoming obvious how important an oversight that was. We did get legal advice and counselling after the event, after the consumption but it was too late in terms of the legal procedures that should have been in place beforehand.
0: How did you find the... So your friends then conceived a child. How did you find the pregnancy process and uh, the, I guess, how the the hospital managed the arrangement? Were they aware of what was
1: happening? Okay, in terms of the pregnancy itself, that went quite smoothly and um, I would attend... Uh, the maternity nurses appointments with my friend, and it was a beautiful experience to do so. Um, so, in terms of that aspect, there were there wasn't there weren't any glitches. My friends are rather traditional in terms of their beliefs and their customs, and one of the their wishes was that the hospital not know about um, the surrogacy. Now this is despite having put parenting plans in place, um, which had happened a couple of months before the child was born. And um, both myself and biological parents agreed to the stipulations in the parenting plan. However, I mean, a parenting plan is not enforceable, as we all know. So um, I didn't want to go against their wishes. So um, we only told the hospital that there was a parenting plan in place when the biological mother was to be discharged. And, of course, it's a no-brainer that the hospital was taken aback. and. we had to suffer the repercussions of these actions afterwards.
0: So to clarify, that meant that the hospital thought that the birth parents were just having their child and then they would take the child home with them, just like regular parents. And it was only after the birth that they realised that there was actually a different arrangement going on and that the baby was going to be placed with you. So...
1: That's right. Yeah. So what happened after that? Well, we were discharged altogether and um, I took the baby home with me and um, the birth parents went back home. Um, However, about four or five days in, maybe a week, we had uh, the Department of Health and Human Services visit us and, um, and, and you know, I wasn't expecting them. But I wasn't surprised either. And this is something that I openly discussed with um, the social workers. And um, I think they came round, they came, they, they saw that the the child's living arrangements were more than adequate. And they also realized that this was an altru- altruistic surrogacy and um, where no money was exchanged or there wasn't any financial or material benefit involved. And um, they closed the case. I was notified by mail that the case had been closed. So I think that they came over and it was a duty of care because um, the hospital's best interests were to ensure that the child was not being taken advantage of. So I have no qualms about the social services coming Mm. to check. And even if they came now, I wouldn't have a problem because I know that I've done the right thing.
0: Well, and I think, as you say, it um, wasn't altogether unsurprising that they would at least come and check, given that the hospital had told them that this arrangement was taking place. Um, Now, my memory of it also is that the department told you that you should apply for an adoption. Do you remember what the outcome was of that Mm. um, avenue?
1: Oh, dear me. Do I remember? Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they did. They... And I have... I've got all the paperwork, but they did ask... They did suggest that I apply for adoption through one of the government adoption agencies. So I did. Uh, I, I got into contact with um, <clears throat> social workers at this uh, government agency, <clears throat> requesting um, information on how I go about formally adopting uh, my daughter. And um, it was a very long and arduous process. Not in not with respect to having the adoption put in place, but with respect to being able to talk to the right person, who would advise me on uh, what I was supposed to do. To cut a long story short, they said that uh, I wasn't able to adopt the child through this process. So, I think... Which was
0: rather strange, given that the department had advised you that you should apply for an adoption, and then one of its own contracted agencies said, no, we won't
1: let you do that. So we kind of went well, around in circles for quite a while, didn't we? Oh, we did. We did. That was a, that was a dead end. Because, mm. uh, you know, I was... Tr- and what was frustrating, I was trying to do the right thing. And I was trying to be transparent um, about wanting to have a child, but through a legal avenue. But every avenue I tried to take, there was a roadblock. Tell me, before
0: we managed to end up in court. Were you able to access anything like Medicare rebates or Centrelink for the child?
1: Um, I didn't even try. I didn't want to go down that avenue because I didn't have the right, apart from the parenting plan which I had in my hands, um, I didn't have any other legally binding documentation. The only government Um, agency I did contact was Medicare and I submitted her um, birth certificate um, a piece of paper from the hospital which included uh, her birth records and I applied for a Medicare card and I was told that unless I had a binding a legal binding document I wasn't able to claim Medicare for her. Mm. So since I was born, I had private insurance for her.
0: So then uh, we ended up applying to the family court. We did consider going off and applying for a parentage order, which would have been a bit like the surrogacy orders that we get. But in your case, we ended up at the family court seeking parenting orders, which is a bit different, and I'll provide some links in the post about this to sort of explain the difference. But it was essentially to have an order of the court recognise that you had parental responsibility for the child and that the birth parents didn't have any parental responsibility by consent, with their, with their consent. So what was your expectation and why do you think that you needed that order um, to help you parent her?
1: Because I wouldn't have been able to get any uh, document which um, I could use for childcare, which I could use for schooling, which I could use um, in terms of identification, uh, for identification purposes, for a passport. Um, so there was, without this um, parenting order that we managed to get in the end, I wouldn't have been able to legally say that my daughter is my own.
0: So the, the parenting plan that we had developed allowed you to have some evidence that she was in your care, but it wasn't a court order. That was really just a, mm. a, a written agreement between you and the birth parent. So you didn't have a whole lot of sway, like you say, with Medicare or childcare perhaps, or Centrelink, or even applying for a passport for her. So we went to court applying for an order with the parents, with the birth parents' consent to get an order. Now, what was your experience of going to court? It was
1: uh, interesting to say the least. Um, It was really, it was a traumatic experience. I mean, sometimes I still think about it and I catch myself gasping because it was so traumatic. I have a feeling that we were a little bit of racial profiling, given my background, given the um, biological parents' background. Um, I do understand where they were coming from. In terms of they wanted to make absolutely sure that they there was no financial transaction, that we weren't, and I quote, commodifying baby. And, um, you know, there was no way in the world that we would have done that. And even um, the fact that we, both parties, uh, suggested that, look, you know, you, you can have access to all our bank accounts to see whether any transactions took place. I think that that shows that there was no, that this was not a merchandise, that the child was not a merchandise that was going back and forth. Um, I would have liked the process to have been a bit more humane, Um, but at the end of the day, what we take home is that, one, if we had had counselling and um, sought out legal advice prior to conception and not after conception, then we wouldn't have had to go down that avenue at all. But since we hadn't, um, we had to be respectful and mindful of the legal process that we had to undertake. And very grateful that the outcome was in, our, in, in my favour, mm. that they were able to see that the best interests of the child uh, were with me and I was granted um, full parental responsibility.
0: So that was quite a... So between the, the uh, court hearing, where, like you said, it was a little bit traumatising, And my recollection is that the judge was quite concerned with how the parties had come about with this arrangement, and she was um, particularly concerned about the welfare of the child and the relationships that she might have with the birth parents, and uh, was quite scathing about um, everyone's involvement in the arrangement. But then we had to go and wait several months for the judgment. And when it arrived, it was actually positive. We got the order that you had been seeking, that you have full parental responsibility. So tell me now, what's your relationship with the birth parents? Because you're not living so close together anymore, are you?
1: No, but we've got a very good relationship with the birth parents. We, due to distances, due to the distance that, our physical distance at the moment, we don't get to see each other as much as we'd like, but um, we talk often on the phone. Um, I've visited uh, quite a few times uh, since last year and it's a very amicable relationship. Uh, we care about each other and, you know, we're family. So that comes across, we might not be physically, And now with COVID-19, no one's able to be in the same space. But despite that, I mean, just the other day we were asking each other, you know, how are you holding out? How are the children? How are the grandparents? Because my friend's grandparents were uh, over from overseas. Um, So, yeah, we've got a beautiful relationship.
0: Um what's the story that you'll tell your daughter when she's old enough to understand?
1: Well, um, I'm actually about to send off her first book, for Printing, and um, I'm going to tell her the truth. Like, she's going to know that mum wasn't able to conceive and that her friends offered to help. You know, it was a gift of God because... Um, My friends are very religious and that's how they saw it. So I can draw upon their faith and talk about this gift from God. And I've had some counselling, very good counsellor, who's um, helped me to build this beautiful story and narrative, which I talk to her about. She's even now, because she's old enough to understand, even though she's only two, two and a half, two and a bit, she's very keyed in. She... She might not understand the fine details, but she's getting her story. So, um, yeah, that this, is, this is what I'm going to tell her. She's going to know that she was a gift, um, a gift of love. And, God, she's treasured like nothing else in the world.
0: What would you say to intended parents or um, a surrogate, perhaps, that were thinking about entering into a surrogacy arrangement? What would your advice to them be?
1: It's a good question. Um, and, you know, this is a learning experience for me as well. So I would really, really suggest that they do some research beforehand. And there's some wonderful resources. There's this podcast series. Um, there's uh, also the Handbook on Surrogacy that I think you you um, circulate Um Sarah. And um, there's also Surrogacy Australia uh, Facebook group, but other, other, even government um, organisations that I strongly recommend that couples who are undergoing surrogacy read up on. Um, there's a wealth of resources that, I mean, if I knew about these resources before I started this journey, things would have been different. Not that, I don't think the end result would have been different because I've got my beautiful daughter, but the journey towards um, having her would have been different. So yes, gaining legal advice prior to conception, counselling prior to conception. And this is for traditional surrogacy. I'm not very well versed on surrogacy through IVF because I know that they've got some added, um, steps they need to take through some panels or something, but in terms of traditional sur- surrogacy, really important to ensure that, um, these two, uh, steps are taken beforehand. Lots of communication with counselling throughout the pregnancy so that, all the parties are on the same page and making sure that both the birth mum and dad's wishes are heard, but also the intended parents voice their opinions and their wants and desires. But at the end of the day, it has to be a a dialogue all throughout the process um, so that it becomes a beautiful journey and not one which is for any reason hurtful for one or the other parties.
0: Mm. Thank you for chatting with me and being so generous with your story. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.